in heaven, I'm just praying right now that you will begin to speak and to minister right at our point of need. We're praying that the word would just open up to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we discovered this week about when we talked about uh, getting our minds right is that for many of us, and we discovered, honestly, y'all, that there's not a breathing human, per human being in here right now that does not have a mental health problem. And so we tried to, we tried to unlearn these bad ideas of mental health, that you only have two kinds of mental health, crazy and not crazy. That's not true. Out of all the cultures in our community and in our nation, out of all the people that have the least amount of appreciation and really engagement in healing methods of their mental health, it is our community. And many of it is based on superstitions, superstitions that prayer is just enough to fix all of our problems. But, but, but I heard somebody say the other day that prayer is a weapon. Somebody shout prayer is a weapon. Pray, the Bible says that prayer is a weapon, but counseling is a strategy. Come on, say amen. How many know if you go out to war and all you have is weapons, but you don't have no strategy, you might mess around and you might hurt yourself. You might hurt somebody else. And so every army, when they begin to go in battle, not only do they have weapons, but they also have strategies. Somebody shout strategies. And so it was important for us this week not only to talk about the spiritual weapons, because we know that the weapons of our warfare, hallelujah, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How many know your word today? How many know that God can break chains and he can pull down strongholds and things that were generational curses in your family don't have to be in your situation, that God can break chains? How many believe that right now? But, 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 but you must understand now that if it took you 30 and 40 years to get into the dysfunction you're in, it ain't going to take you five minutes to get out. That we actually have to plan. Somebody say plan. We've got to plan. We've got to be intentional. Somebody say be intentional. We've got to be focused. Somebody say focused on trying to be the best version of ourselves that God wants us to be. And I just want to say this. I do not want to be a person that gets comfortable in my illness, that gets comfortable in my dysfunction, that gets comfortable in my blind spots and ways about myself that are not healthy. How many want all of God's healing for your life? Mind, body, and spirit. But one of the things, Lord help me today, one of the things that has paralyzed us to the place where we will not open up ourselves to anybody or anything that will be a blessing to us is our natural distrust of relationships. So you have to understand now, Satan intentionally uses other people to get you not to trust people because he knows, as we've been teaching all week, that the solution to just about every problem that we have in our lives is that God will literally send people, not angels. Hear me now. We need people in order to move from one level to the next level. And it, is, and it is the enemy's desire to get us so in pain, so hurt, so traumatized by wounds from our family, traumatized by school experiences where we were bullied or mistreated, traumatized by insecurities we have that were brought on to us by absent fathers or absent mothers or abusive relatives. All of these things have been, hear me now, all of these things have been designed by the enemy to get you to a place where you close yourself off from people. Where you, where you become isolated from people, where you don't really want anybody involved in your life. That's one of the reasons why church has gone out of style. People would much rather watch online than they would to come and be bothered with a bunch of people that have problems, uh-oh, like them. I just don't want to be bothered with people. Can I, can I get some help in here? How many just wish that if you could just be saved all by yourself and didn't have to deal with knuckleheads, didn't have to deal with, and didn't have to deal with, and didn't have to deal with, and didn't have to deal with, that you would just much rather be to yourself and not have to be bothered with people. And I'm not just talking about people outside of your bloodline. I'm talking about some of the, listen. The sad thing about family is, is you can't choose them. They choose you. But how many, how many, just be honest, how many know that if you could choose, y'all ain't going to raise your hand because you're with family. I'll talk for you. If you could choose not to be in that, that dysfunctional, drama-infested, issue-saturated family, 
that Lord could just give you a better family. Come on, say amen, somebody. And most of our trust issues, somebody shout trust issues. Most of our trust issues are because we've been broken by people that claim they loved us. We've been hurt and wounded. Many have been molested. One out of four of our girls now has been molested. The numbers are also increasing for boys. But one of the reasons why we don't know so much about the boys is because they're less likely to talk about it. We have hope in our culture. We have this culture of silence where literally things could be going on in the home and nobody will address it. Nobody will talk about it. I was watching just the other day uh, this thing of, of Dr. Nasser. This is that doctor that, that uh, uh, sexually abused over 200 girls in the, in the, in the United States uh, Olympic uh, program. And one of the things that struck my heart so deeply, I mean, it just touched me, it wounded me. Hear me, everybody. Since this one girl tried to tell her mom and dad, but because the doctor was so well-respected, they would not believe her. They would not believe her. And I'm telling you now, as a pastor, as one who gives counsel, there are many of you in here that are carrying secrets because you were told you're not supposed to say anything about it. There are many of you that have the rule in your family that, that you keep folks out of your business. There are husbands in here that need help in order to be good men in your families, to be good fathers, because your father was not a father to you. So how would you know how to be a father to him unless somebody comes alongside you and mentors you and helps you to walk through these things? I'm telling you now, one of the most egregious things that is happening in our world right now is the level of pain that we are, uh, that we are perpetrating on one another. And so what begins to happen is, is, is we just don't do relationships well. But God has not created us to not be in relationship with people. Why is it quiet out here? No help in there. It was loud all week. Y'all getting quiet on me now. Are you hearing me now? It is dysfunctional not to want to connect with people. And you got to own that. It's not personality. It is sin that wants us to not deal with each other. And by the grace of God today, I want to show you from the book of Mark why relationships are so important to our personal healing and growth. Let's go to Mark 2. What book did I say, everybody? What chapter did I say, everybody? Chapter 2. Notice this. The Bible says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back where, everybody? He was back where, everybody? He was back home. Verse 2, so soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, the Bible says in verse 3, how many men, y'all? Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Verse 4, some of y'all feel my sermon already. Verse 4, they, they couldn't bring him in to Jesus because of people. You got me? All right. The Bible says, so they dug what, everybody? They dug a hole <laughs> through the roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. The Bible says they tore. Hallelujah. God, give us some friends like this. They dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the, the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Verse 5, seeing their faith. If you got a Bible, you need to underline that. Listen, I'm coming biblical today. I'm not talking about intro, being an introvert and being an extrovert. That's how you get energy or lose energy. I'm talking biblical relationships. And I'm coming off out the gate telling you today that you cannot do anything in life by yourself. And if you think you did, you are deceived and dysfunctional. The Bible says, sing whose faith, everybody? Sing whose faith, everybody? Sing whose faith, everybody? You don't hear this a lot. Sing whose faith, everybody? Gotta, gotta get this. Sing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, read, y'all, my child, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6, but some of the teachers of religious law, church folks, who were sitting there, thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Somebody shall get your mind right. You know why you got to get your mind right? Because he already knows what you're thinking. He knows the dysfunctional thoughts that you have in your mind. 
The Lord is reading our mind. That's one of the reasons why I told you all the other night when you're praying, it makes no sense to be fake in your prayers. We're not to approach God and act spiritual with God. If there's any person that we're not supposed to act spiritual with, it's with God because there's no need to act with God because God reads our thoughts. Are y'all with me on this? And I just want to, I just want to just, if I can just get off the exit for a second and just, just park this car and idle, I just want to tell you, let me just pause here and say this, that one of the reasons research has shown why many of us have mental health problems is because we have suppressed and repressed so much of the pain, so much of the issues that we have experienced, and we are at a place now where we won't talk to nobody, not even God about it. But I want you to know, if he knows your thoughts... All of them, no matter how dirty they are, no matter how wicked they are. Listen, how many are with me right now? How many are at a place now you don't hold nothing back from him? You lay it all before him. And how many feel better when you're done? The Bible says Jesus knew what they were thinking. And watch what he says. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heads? Verse 9, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up? Pick up your mat and walk. Good question. Verse 10. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, verse 11, stand up. Jesus bad, ain't he? You catch it, didn't you, Brenda? You caught that, right? Stand up, pick up your mat, and do what, y'all? And the Bible says, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. First point that we learned about this text on what it's going to take for us to get our minds right is that you need a team. Everybody shout, you need a team. Everybody shout, you need a team. Oh, listen, I got to lay, I got I to gotta linger on this right now. The Bible says that Jesus was preaching the word of God. And the Bible introduces us to a character who was paralyzed, meaning that he could not walk. To some degree, there was paralysis in his body where he could not do for himself. I want to pause here now and say this. Many of the issues that we have, that we've inherited through traumas, from relationships, have paralyzed us in our ability to maintain relationships, in our ability to parent, in our ability to be husbands, in our ability to be wives, in our ability to be productive at work. We don't realize it, but it's thought processes that paralyze us from not being able to go where God wants to take us. We're going to have a baptism today, but one of the things I discovered is, is baptism, joining the church, does not heal you from all of your issues. And when we are baptized, we are baptized into a team. There's a reason why God set the church up because he knows there ain't going to be nobody saved that got saved without nobody helping them to get there. Let me tell you something. I, I have friends for every need in my life. I got financial friends. Come on, say amen. They don't give me money, but they give me good advice. I got mental friends, people that I call when I'm dealing with deep stuff. I've got friends to hold me accountable in relationships, in being a good husband, in being a good father. I got spiritual friends, even this morning, that have texted me and said, We're praying for you today. We know you're preaching the word of God. We've been praying for the meetings all week. I, I, I've got, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not who I am today because I'm self made. And I pretty much do not trust myself to be able to handle the things in my life if I'm only doing it by myself. I've learned that I cannot close myself off of the people that God puts in my life to help me to get to where he wants me to get. And if you are going to go where God wants you to go, you're not going by yourself. you got to have a team. Oh, y'all don't want to pray with me. Ah, uh, wasn't it, uh, what is the year LeBron James was drafted? I can't remember. Huh? And LeBron James took the Cleveland Cavaliers after four years to the finals. Y'all remember that? I'm talking about the first time. Boy, took him to the finals by himself. Basically, name one other person on that team. One. 
can't remember. Some of y'all basketball minds, so you know y'all. I pass, I know. Okay, y'all, we get you. We know you know some stuff. But for the most part, nobody remembers. And what happened to the Cavs when they went there? In four games, they got swept. Swept. I think it was the uh, San Antonio Spurs. They just mopped, they mopped them up. LeBron said, I done had enough of this. I done had enough of Cleveland. I'm out. Come on, say amen. Y'all mad. And y'all was mad, burning stuff. Y'all talked about him like a dog. But y'all didn't know that LeBron really did not have a team. And he didn't have an owner that was on his team. But see, y'all didn't know that at the time because you were only looking at from, from your perspective. You were mad that LeBron left. But for a kid that grew up in, Cleveland, in Akron, in Ohio his whole life, why can't the boy pick up and go someplace different? He can if he want to. And you ought to rejoice if you watch the 2016 finals and see that LeBron brought us back a championship. You know why? Because LeBron didn't learn that in Cleveland. You know who taught LeBron James how to win? His best friend. LeBron James, his, does anybody know who his best friend is? His best friend is Dwayne Wade. I just love these guys' relationship. I love it. I love it. And I love that they celebrate their relationship. I love to see their sons. Now their sons are playing basketball together. I love, the, I love seeing these black men not ashamed of being brothers and being boys. I love it. But LeBron James taught us something. LeBron James says, I can't win unless I get a team. And y'all still, and some folks still mad about it. But y'all wasn't mad when he left the last time. Because when he came back, come on, say amen. They had put a team around him. And they put a team around him because there's nobody, not even LeBron James, that can do anything by themselves. We've got to have a squad. We've got to have people that help push us to the next level, push us into faith, push us into prayer, push us out of our dysfunction. Uh, tell the truth to us when we need to hear the truth. Check us when we need to be checked. Someone to shout, you need a team. And we see it right there in the text. The Bible says Jesus is preaching the word of God. And then look at this picture. Then shows up a man that is paralyzed, laying on a mat. And at each corner of the mat are four friends. He got a team. There's no way he would even got there unless his friends got him there. And you don't need to be physically paralyzed to need a team. All you need is a little bit of sin in your life. Is there anybody in here that got a little bit of sin? Y'all getting me nervous in here. Anybody in here got a big sin problem and ain't ashamed to admit it? How many in here have stuff in your life that you know you can't control on your own? And unless that you have somebody other than Jesus to help keep you in the race. I mean, let me just go ahead and tell you. Some of y'all wasn't here. Uh, and I tell my church all the time that I was addicted to pornography. Do you know what I'm doing right now to keep myself pure? I have a squad of about eight guys, and all of them have the same struggle, right? We're like an AA group, but we're an AA group of other men. And all we do is talk every day at Monday. Every day at Monday, we check on one another. How are you doing? Are you remaining pure? And we're not just talking about watching filth on TV. We're talking about are you are you are you keeping your mind focused at the mall? Come on, say amen. And, and you know, there are many of us that are too self-righteous to admit that we're actually that unspiritual where we need and we're that weak, where we need people in our lives to encourage us to live righteous, to encourage us to live holy. But if you only stay in your own mind thinking that you're just going to pray your way through and get your way through, baby, I'm a living witness here today that you will fall every single time. Ever since I got this squad around me, I've been walking in holiness. I've been walking in faithfulness. I've been walking in commitment. I've been walking in dedication. And the Lord was trying to teach me something he said your victory is not in yourself your victory is not only in me but you need a team you need a squad you need some Dwayne Wade's in your life that you can throw an alley-oop to and that can throw an alley-oop to you so you can get the job done and I'm telling you now many of you are on the fringe spiritually because you don't got nobody in your life that can speak a word in you Is there anybody out there tell you to read your Bible? Is there anybody out there that tells you you need to apologize? Is there anybody out there that tell you you need to get your butt up and exercise? 
Well, many of us are too sensitive to have somebody to come in our life and challenge us and push us. I don't know where Aaron is, but he was sitting here for a minute. But he about to lose some business because he ain't sitting here now. Because he got idiot. It's too late. He's not here. It's too late. But I'm going to give Aaron a shout out. Aaron is trying to get his business going with personal training. And one of the things I discovered is, is that if in order for you to get your body in shape, if you don't have discipline, and that's most of us, it's a good idea to get somebody in your life that's going to tell you what to do, tell you what to lift, tell you how many reps you got to take, tell you when you need to get up, say, let's go. Let me push you. It's time to do it. There are many of us out here, though. We are just wandering through life with no personal trainer. We're wandering through life with nobody. I got the Holy he goes, Pastor, I don't need nobody else. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need nobody else. Pastor, you don't know people. I can't trust people. And all you're simply saying is, I'm dysfunctional. I'm dysfunctional. I'm so broken that I don't realize that the solution to my problems is in relationship. Somebody shout, you need a team. Second thing we learn from this text is not only do you need a team, but you need the right team. Now, there are many of you out there that are part of a team, but the team that you got, they don't challenge you. You sit around and gossip with them all day. They ain't going to tell you the truth about yourself because they're scared of you. Man, one of the things I, I never forget, I, I think I told you all this before. I remember when we first got married, me and Shanae, and, and we wasn't married long, and we were sitting out about to go inside the house, and I was such a know-it-all. I, I mean, just, I mean, just, I don't know how she lived with me, man. Did you just think about it? Just see how jacked up I was as a husband. And my wife was at a point where she was like, I ain't about to fool with this Negro no more. He, th- he talked too much. I had gotten to a place, y'all, where, where, where I had literally separated and severed my wife's ability to be able to speak into my life because I had made up myself to be somebody that could not receive rebuke, somebody that could not receive instruction. And there is a sensitivity with you black people to where nobody can't tell you nothing about yourself. You get so offended when somebody tells you something about yourself. But I ain't who I am today because people have affirmed me and applauded me. I am who I am today because I got people all around me that can check me when I need to be checked. Oh, I wish I had some help in there. How many got people in your life that you know right now can check you right where you need to be checked and ain't going to put up with your foolishness, ain't going to put up with your mouth, ain't going to put up with your whining, ain't going to put up with your lying. They will tell You just don't need any old kind of team. You need the right team. Can I tell you what the right team looks like? Number one, we see it right here in the text. It's right here in the text, how we know they're the right team. It's right in the text. Text shows us. Text first says that they knew Jesus was the answer. The people who are in your inner circle, hear me now, because a lot of church people don't understand this. Many, many church people are in church with the people that have the greatest influence on them do not love the Lord. And so you are really worldly. You're, look, there's only two kinds of relationships you have. You have relationships that you influence and relationships that influence you. Period. God puts you in people's life to be an influence, and God puts people in your life to influence you. And in this group, these four guys, hallelujah, uh, the Bible says that they found Jesus. Now, how did they find Jesus? Because they knew where to find him. They, 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 their agenda was, let's not take him to the bar. It ain't time to go to the club. We ain't going to the hookah bar. We're not binge watching no television shows. You're not hearing me now. What did those friends do? Those friends said, let's take him to Jesus. And if you're going to have the right team, you're going to have people around you that know who God is, that know where to find Jesus. That They don't have to be perfect, but they at least need to know where he is. They at least need to know how to call him. They at least need to be in relationship with him. You will always be stunted in your spiritual growth if the people around you don't know who Jesus is. Number two, the second thing we learn about having the right team is they carried him when he couldn't carry himself. How many want to give God praise right now that the Lord has put people in your life where when you couldn't carry your own self, when you had fell apart by your own problems, oh, thank you, Lord. 
Y'all forgive me here today. I get excited when I think about what he's done for me. Is there anybody here right now? Thank God for not only carrying you spiritually, but putting people in your life to take you to the hospital and, and to pray over your children and to put money in your pocket. And, and when your mind wasn't right and you were angry at God, they stood with you. They didn't judge you. How many thank God for friends that don't judge you? Church members that don't talk about you. I'm talking about people that carry you. I don't need you making fun of me. I don't need you judging me. I need you to carry me when I can't carry myself. Is there anybody glad about it today that God will put people in your life? Let me talk to these couples real quick. Some of y'all are dating people. And I'm disturbed by this. How are you going to marry somebody don't know the Lord? Is you crazy? I'm serious. I, I'm talking about when you marry them, they need to know him at that point. You're not taking them. You're not evangelizing. You're not, you're not their lover and their Bible worker. If you really want to mess up your life, get in a romantic relationship with somebody that doesn't know where to find Jesus and that doesn't know how to carry you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Have I got some folks in here right now that know what I'm talking about? Now, I talk about my wife just about in every sermon. And I got to keep talking about that woman because I'm so blessed beyond what I deserve. But I thank God for a woman that doesn't just bless me and love me, but she carries me in my weakness. She covers me in prayer. She covers the family. And when you get married, when you get in those relationships, you can expect that the enemy of your soul is going to come and try to tear that family up because the foundation of every family is a marriage, is a romantic relationship. And if that relationship is not founded on God, if you don't have somebody that can carry you to the throne, if you don't have somebody that can take you to the king, if you don't have somebody that can cry and fast and that is holy and that is righteous and they got some sense in their head, then you're going to lose your soul. Number three, the other thing we learned about this team is they were committed to his healing when others weren't. Woo! Look in the text. The Bible says they're carrying him. And as soon as they get to the house of the Lord, where Jesus is, there's a crowd that's obstructing him from getting in. Now, these people are standing, which means they're not paralyzed. And as, and, as, and as they are care of these four friends, they're saying, excuse me, do, do you mind if we can get in? I have a paralyzed friend of mine. And, and we just believe if he gets in the presence of Jesus, Jesus don't got to say nothing. Jesus don't got to touch him. But we just believe if you just let us in the house, that something will happen for him. And, and in my imagination, I, 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 I see many people saying, no, 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 no. You can't come through this way. And you can't come through this way. And, and you ain't dressed right. And, and you don't smell right. And, 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 and I need my blessing. And, and I need my miracle. I, I'm here first. It's like people fighting over parking at church or fighting over seats at church or, or not let somebody sit next to you because they don't look like Are Y'all hearing me here today? Notice now, he's trying to get to Jesus, but he can't get to Jesus because of a crowd. But see, there will always come a time in your relationship with the Lord where you are trying to get someplace and there's going to be something trying to stop you. I'm preaching somebody's life story right now and you want to holler if you know I'm talking to you. Is there anybody right here that's trying to get somewhere and you feel demonic forces trying to stop you and you ain't going to be able to get in by yourself? If you know anything about sports, it's amazing to me. I was listening to somebody talk the other day talking about Oh, man, so-and-so is the best football player of all time, Sean. Let me ask you a question, Sean. Can a running back uh, score a touchdown unless somebody blocks for him? Come on, say amen, somebody. you got to have your left tackle and a right tackle and a, and a nose guard and a center to be able to open up holes for you to, for you to get in. Y'all not praying with me right now. And so what we find in this text here is that when his friends see opposition, his friend's faith is greater than his. And his friends say, we're not going to let the opposition keep us from getting him. We came here for a purpose. We came here for a reason. And we are committed. Somebody shall commit it. You don't need fair weather folk. You need folk to be committed to you. You need folk to walk with. I can't get nobody to talk to me in here. Is there anybody had fair weather folk?
The reason why you ought to have the right team is because Satan has formulated the wrong team to stop you. I want your minds open now. Uh, uh, to, to go out in this world not surrounded by godly people that love you is like playing against a football team with one player against 11. You're by yourself, but your enemy is formidable. No, no, y'all don't believe me. Watch this. Notice what the Bible says about you personally. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, it says, For we are not, read y'all, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Hear me, y'all. Against what? Evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world. Do you hear me? That the enemy, the Bible actually describes how organized they are. The King James Version says that there are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Hear me now. That literally right now, there have been whole teams of demonic forces that have been marshaled of military men. They have been ranked and they have been flanked based on their ability in the kingdom of darkness to be able to stop you from getting to where God wants you. Every day you wake up in the morning, the army that has been designed against you by Satan is doing everything it can to stop you from praying and stop you from serving the Lord and stop you from doing his will. But is there anybody here today that's wondering while you're still here if there have been billions of demons that have been decide, that's designed to destroy you. Is there anybody wondering right now, how is it that the enemy is so organized and so formidable and so strategic at trying to stop me, but I'm still here today. You're missing your shout. Is there anybody that still is scratching your head trying to say, how is it that I didn't die in that car accident? And how is it that that bullet didn't get me? And how is it that I'm still here when invisibly and invisibly to us, there are dark demonic forces that have surrounded this tent, that surround your bed, that surround your children, that surround your house, that surround your mind every single day that try to take you out. But is there anybody here that knows that if you're here today, it's because you got another team of angels that are watching over you. Y'all playing with me in here today. Let's have church. Is there anybody that knows that you got angels? that are watching you, that are keeping you. Y'all playing games with me. I'm not just talking about watching you when you're doing what's right. Oh, the angels are here. We're in church today. Is there any sinners out here that know you were in the wrong place, that you were doing the wrong thing? Uh-huh, y'all gonna still act holy and sedidian here. I'm talking about folks that was in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, and you trying to figure out how you made it out when you got, uh, uh, when, you, when you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, when there are invisible armies that are trying to kill you, but can you throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care if you know that it's the Lord and the armies of his hosts that have been keeping watch over you over your children, over your, when you didn't wake up and pray in the morning, the Lord says, I'm not going to keep off my job. I'm not going to rescind my forces. How many want to praise him right now that in spite of the attack of the enemy, that the Lord has put angels around you? If there were ever a reason why we should be connected to God, it should be because right now, now can I do a little teaching? Let me do a little teaching right now. Hold on, hold on, brother. Let me do a little teaching. The scripture says that a third of the angels in heaven followed Satan. How many did I say, everybody? A third. A third of how much, pastor? The Bible says the amount of angels that were in heaven is incalculable. So the Bible does stuff like this, 10,000 times 10,000 of thousands of angels. A gazillion. So, so let's just play with numbers for a second. If there were a gazillion, which actually is a number, if there were a gazillion of angels, right? Follow this now. And a third of a gazillion. I don't, I'm not good at math, but a third of a gazillion is a lot. That's at least a trillion. There's seven billion people on the planet. Y'all not hearing me now. It's very possible that each one of us has been assigned hundreds of millions of demons. 
Oh, y'all think they just sitting out waiting for somebody? When you were born, when the announcement came that your mama was pregnant, that there were angels that were specifically evil angels, specifically assigned to destroy your life. But if you are here today and still can't figure out why, can I tell you why? It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. Can I just blow your mind about God's grace, Elder Rudd? Some of y'all not ready for what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do you realize that while you are having illicit sex, it takes oxygen to do that, does it not? Okay. <laughs> Pastor. Oh, oh, Pastor. Oh, oh Pastor. You're, you're, you're there. Yeah, I, want y'all to, I want y'all to feel this thing. While you are committing adultery, Do you realize that you're alive while you're doing that? Who's keeping you alive? While you're getting high, while you're drinking, y'all not praying with me in here. Why are you gossiping about somebody? Why are you judging somebody? Huh? Oh, y'all not praying. Come on. Why are you watching pornography? Why is it that you didn't die while you're doing it? Do you realize that the Lord is keeping the systems of your body alive while you are sinning? The praise ain't right for what I'm saying. I said, did you hear what I'm saying? That in order for you to act up, God's got to give you life to be able to even act up. I'm so blown away by his mercy right now, I don't even know what to do with myself. Is there anybody that's just shook right now? When you think of the goodness of Jesus, and you think of his mercy, and you think of how he kept you when you wasn't right, where is your praise at in here? Somebody give him a praise. If you know that the Lord has been merciful. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go home. Watch what the scripture says. Well, so Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9 says this. Read, everybody. Two people are better off than what? For they can help each other succeed. That's Bible. That's Bible. Notice what it goes on to say, verse 10. If one person falls, and they will, look what the Scripture says. The Bible says the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls who is alone, they're in real trouble. When you're in isolation, when you're doing things by yourself, you are in trouble. Watch what uh, the Bible goes on to say. It says, likewise, read y'all, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Oh, Lord. Hey. Come on, say amen. Oh. Y'all too tight for me in here today. That's Bible, y'all. Amen. I was warm last night. Bless his name. That's scripture. Oh, move on. My wife said, move on. All right, go on. Go on. Be obedient. Where were Go on. That's Bible, though, baby. That's scripture. That's scripture. That's scripture. Rejoice on the word, woman of God. Rejoice. I could have died cold last night. Hypothermia could have set in. But the Lord kept me warm. All right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. It says, it says two people. All right, y'all get yourselves together. Y'all misbehaving. The Bible says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? <laughs> the Bible says in verse 12, the Bible's asking. It says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two, how many of y'all can stand back to back and conquer? Now, it takes it further. It says three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Somebody say glory to God for his word. Somebody shout, I can't do it by myself. Notice, here's another promise. We're almost done. Another promise from Matthew 18 verse 19 says, I also tell you this, read y'all, if two of you agree here on earth concerning how much? Man, get you a squad, man, that can agree with you in the spirit, David. You hear me? It says, if two or three, if two of you can agree on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will what? 
Woo. He said, I just need two folk that's, that know the Lord, that's trying to go in the right direction. Get them together. Come on, say amen. He says, and if they can agree in the word, agree in prayer, call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says you got a guarantee that the Lord is going to do it. Verse 20, for where, y'all know this one, come on, say it. For where two or three gather together as followers, where I am there among them against mighty powers. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed that. that. That was another thing. So the point is this, is that when we are together in the spirit of God, in prayer, in focus, united, the Bible says he'll withhold nothing from you. That promise is not made to individuals. That guarantee is not made to individuals. It's made to the church. Y'all hearing me? It's made to the church. The Lord is basically saying, if you want to rock heaven, if you want to get heaven's attention, not that when we pray we can't get God's attention. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. My point is that God looks down at unity. He looks down at faith. And when he sees it amongst many, the Lord says he will respond. Here's our last point. Your team equals your healing. I would have never believed this until I read it in the Bible. It almost gives the impression that I can't get any further than, than who, I, who I roll with. And you begin to say, no, but I know the Lord for myself, and the Lord has made me promises. But can I show you what happens in the text? The Bible says in Mark 2, the Bible says when they brought this man, this lame man, look at the text. It blew my mind. It says, read y'all. It says, seeing whose faith? Their faith. Oh. Your team equals your healing. The scripture says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. So real talk, there wasn't just four that were trying to help this man. There was five. Y'all hearing me? We got his four friends, and then we got the Lord himself who was working on your team. But hear me now. The healing, I'm saying healing, the healing that you need cannot happen independent of community. So this idea of coming to church and worshiping and having nothing to do with each other, is the best way not to get healed. Because when God sees our faith, see, let me see, you need relationships to teach you about yourself. You can't listen, you cannot know stuff about yourself in isolation. Isolation equals deception, but revelation equals community. You know, the church was God's idea. And you know what he said? He says, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against community. But the enemy just wants to keep you separate. Just, he just wants you to come, come to a building, praise, and leave. Or he doesn't want you coming at all. He wants you to feel like those people are better than you. Or, and you, you, your, your, your problems are too bad and people are going to judge you. I got enough information about the members in this church to tell you that everybody's struggling with the same stuff. I'm going to tell you that right now. Everybody's struggling with the same stuff. Hear me when I tell you everything. People are here struggling with drugs. People are here struggling with alcohol, and they love the Lord. It's people are here struggling with their sexuality, and they love the Lord. It's people are here struggling with fornication, and they love the Lord. It's people in here struggling with lying, and they love the Lord. It's people here struggling with forgiveness and bitterness and anger and trauma. Oh, Y'all don't want to pray. And I'm saying, I'm just, I long for the day when we could put down all the pretense, all the, all the acting like we got it figured out and we got it together, and we can create an environment in the church where sinners feel welcome to acknowledge that they got problems because hear this if you stay if you stay in denial if you stay in hiding you will not be healed you got to open up that wound come on say amen you got to open up that hurt you got to open up them trials you got to open up that stuff and no i'm not saying every single person around you is gonna love you but i have never been to a church i have never been around god's people where god didn't at least have one person 
Oh, come on in here, y'all. One person that would get you back. One person that would push you through. One person that would hold your hand. One person that would carry you. To deny that there is nobody there for you is to deny that God doesn't have power. It amazes me. We'll pray for money. We'll pray for, fi- for, for, for jobs. We'll pray for healed bodies. We'll pray for our children. We'll pray for everything. But we don't pray that God will put people in our life. I ain't talking about husbands. I ain't talking about wives. I'm talking about some friends. I'm talking about some godly people. We don't pray for churches. We don't pray that God will bind us close to people in the church. We asking for money. We asking for buildings. We asking for clothes. We asking for health. But I, I just believe that if two or three can touch in anything, I, I, I've asked, I say, Lord, put people in my life. And the minute I ask for it, God shows up and he puts them in my life to help carry me through some stuff. Anybody want to be bold enough not just to pray for stuff, but to ask God to put them in my life. If they're going to help me, put them in my life if they're going to push me. I told the Lord I wanted to be saved. And he said, go to Cleveland. I said, Lord, I want, I want more faith. He said, go pastor Grace Community. I want to learn how to love people. Go and pastor Grace Community. See, we don't want that. We don't, y'all don't want to hear it as it is. See, if I, only, if I always run from friction, then I'm not going to grow. If I'm always lifting the same amount of weights, then I ain't going to have no muscles. Y'all not hearing me. I don't want to be bothered with nobody. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't put up with drama. Yeah, just stop lying. You drama. Stop that. Just stop that foolishness. I don't know. I don't like dealing with fake people. You are fake. No, seriously. Oh, let's be honest in here because some of y'all, y'all, some of y'all, y'all, y'all too hardcore. You too keep it real to even admit this. But everybody got a little fake in them. Everybody lies every now and then. Everybody avoids stuff every now and then. Don't sit up here and act like I'm just the only real person in these streets. Ain't nobody else real but me. Everybody else is fake. And then you say that the church is judgmental, but you're judging the church. Keep it real, people are very judgmental. I know I'm one of them. I just wish, because listen, I just wish folks would be more real and all these self-righteous folk. I'm self-righteous to think you're self-righteous for not talking. Why don't we just let people be? Let them struggle. Let them work through their stuff. Let them have some issues. Let them have some anger problems. Let them have some drama. If you knew what they've been through, if you knew what their daddy did to them, if you knew what their mama did to them, if you knew what happened to them in East Cleveland, if you knew what happened to them down Harvard, if you knew what happened to them in East Street, then you wouldn't be judging them for how they're working. People are hurting. And hurt people hurt people. I'm done. We need one another. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. Now, let me, let me clear something up here. I'm not saying be everybody's best friend. This is what I, listen, listen, listen now. Because that's not, that's, not, that's not realistic, nor is that scripture. Amen, somebody? Even Jesus, when he was discouraged, he left nine disciples at the bottom. And said, give me Peter, James, and John. Come on in here, somebody. I do believe this, that God has, that God has ordained, that God has set aside, even before you were born, people just for you. And they're not always blood. Amen? They're not always blood. So this is what I want to pray. How many want, want the Lord to open up your eyes to see those that he wants to use to carry you? If you're here today, I want you to stand. Say, Lord, just open up my eyes. If there are others that you are trying to put in my life, if there are people that you're trying to use to, to help me and to, to change me. Listen, y'all, no movement in here. The number one thing that God uses to change people's lives is the church. And so when you, when you hear a pastor say, join the church, we're saying join healing. Because this man would have never gotten healed unless he saw their faith. Are y'all hearing me now? 
And I believe that there's some folks here today with their heads bowed and your eyes closed that just need to ask the Lord, Lord, what am I doing with my relationships? Are there some folks that I need to cut off because they have more influence over me than I need and they're not walking in the things of God? Father, there's some people that you want me to get connected to and I have been resistant to it. I've closed myself because I need healing myself. I got trust issues, but I believe that you're trying to put people in my life and I don't really know how to do this relationship thing, but God, I need you to show me. If you feel that, just lift your hands right now. Say, Lord, just, just help me to do relationships. Help me. I don't know how. I'm, I'm dysfunctional myself, but I, I believe this word that there, that there is somebody, somebody's that you have ordained to help me to walk through life so I'm not by myself. Oh, we lift our hands right now and say, Lord, we want to agree on that right now. I want to invite somebody to just come to the altar right now. If you, if you want to just stand and say, Lord, I not only want that kind of relationship, but I want to be that for somebody else. I want to be that. I want to be that. It's not selfish. It's not just me that needs. But maybe you're calling me, oh God, to be a little vulnerable so I can help somebody. Maybe you're calling me, Lord God, to, to be more loving, to, 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 to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness so like I'm healed from the inside so I can do relationships right because your word teaches me God that it is by this that, I, that I'll be known as your disciple if I have love for one another does anybody want to learn how to love like the Lord wants you to I want you to invite you to come right now love your family love your enemies love family members you don't want to walk out here giving off pain you want to walk out here giving off love. Anybody here? Somebody want to be a better father? Come. Somebody want to be a better mother? Come. Somebody want to be more committed in church? Come. Because we need each other to survive. We need each other to make it. We need each other to get through. We can't do it by ourselves. I don't know who I'm talking to out there. I'm talking to somebody whose relationship has been severed or, or something is blocking a, a, a sibling relationship and, and you've not talked. And, and God says, I want to heal that. Now remember now, forgiveness only takes one, but reconciliation takes two. So you can't always force reconciliation, but you can forgive. You can forgive because that, that should be the easiest thing to do because God says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. And I don't know about you, but I need all of God's forgiveness. And, and he's been so kind to me that I can't help but want to be kind to somebody else. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it wasn't a process. But I will tell you, I will tell you this. I will tell you that it is a process. But it should be an easy decision when you think about what God has brought you out of, what God has forgiven you from. So I'm praying right now that the Lord will begin to heal families and, and heal relationships and, and heal hearts so that we can do relationships. And, oh, God, help us. Is there anybody that just wants to be vulnerable and come and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I, I want the Lord to be able to heal me so I can be able to do relationships the way you want me to do it. I want to not only be able to carry some others, but I need some folks in my life to help carry me. Would you just come forward right now? The Lord is talking to you. I need you. Come on. You need me. We're all. We're all a part of God's. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of Come on, come on right now. If you want the Lord to work in relationships. His will that is. for you. Sing that for me. I pray for you. Bring somebody to the altar that, that you're with. Bring a family member to the altar right now. And I say, we're coming together. We're coming together. We want the Lord to work in our family, to work in our relationships, to work in our church. And if you need the Lord to come stand with you, come even now. I need Come on, somebody. I pray for you. Come on, sing it. Pray for me. I love you. I love you. If you knew the Lord needs to work in your family in a relationship, go get somebody and bring them here right now from my mouth. Come on, go a little higher. Go a little higher. Go a little higher. I pray. I pray. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I 
somebody that God is calling into this church family right now. He's saying, look, I brought this tent out here because you need a team. Shh, listen, everybody. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. I'm, going, I'm coming to somebody's heart right now. There's somebody that the Holy Spirit has been moving on. And you've been coming out. And the Lord's been moving upon your heart. He's been saying, this is, this is the team that I set up for you. This church family. Oh, I know you don't know everybody, but you know I brought this tent out here just for you. And I'm trying to put a team in your life to help you to get through. You need somebody to pray for you, and you need somebody that you can pray for so that you can survive. Lord doesn't want you just crying at night all by yourself. The Lord said, I have reserved 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to bail. I got a squad for you. I got a team for you. It's called Grace Community Seventh-day Adventist Church. And your head's about now as we're going to make an appeal. Is there somebody here that wants to join this church? We're going to help you to make that decision. We're going to walk with you. I don't know what that may mean for you. It may mean you need to be baptized. It may mean that you need Bible studies. It may mean that you need to transfer your membership. I don't know what it is, but right now we'll figure that out later. But you feel the Lord telling you, this is where you want me to be, Lord. This is the church that I need to join. And I feel you calling me into relationship with this pastor and this church so that I can survive, God. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Is there somebody here who God is calling, saying, this is where you need to be? I want you to just lift your hand right now if you hear the Lord speaking to your voice, speaking to your heart. Just don't harden your heart. If the Lord is speaking to you right now, saying, yes, Pastor, it's me, it's me. I feel the Lord touching my, I hear him speaking to me right now. If you're here, just raise your hand. I see your hand, my sister. Go and get that young lady. God, praise 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 God. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anybody else? Just lift your hand. Be praying, saints. Be praying. Be praying. Be praying. Be praying. Be praying. I just showed you from Scripture that you can't do it by yourself. You can't. And we as church folk can't be isolating ourselves when people are wounded and when people are broken and when people are struggling. I know your life is important. I know your family is important. But our family is bigger than blood. Come on, say amen. We are part of the family of God. Is there anybody else here today who just wants to lift your hands? You feel the Lord moving upon your heart right now. Just lift your hands. I want to end this service, but I don't want to end it without giving somebody an opportunity to say, listen, no matter what, I just want to do what God says. And I feel God pushing me into this community right now. If the Lord is talking to you, just lift your hands. Ten. Nine. Mm-hmm. Eight. Eight. 
seven, six, five, just lift your hand, four. If you would just pray for somebody, that would do a world of good. Your prayers can help bring them to right where they need to be. Three, just lift your hand right now. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Ain't no shame in this. How you gonna get to the next level on your own? Ain't gonna happen. Lord said, I got, I got a squad for you. <laughs> Two, just lift your hand right now. One, amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. We heard exactly what we needed to hear today. And it wasn't because Edmonds prepared a sermon. It's because the Holy Spirit had us on his mind. And he said, I got a plan for you. And I, there's some stuff I want to do in your life. I thank you for the community of faith. I thank you for us. We got struggles. We got issues. Ain't nobody perfect up in here. But we're going to love each other, God. We're going to encourage each other, Lord. We're not going to just walk past each other. Look, God, help us to get away from that, God. Help us to recognize that all of us got issues and got pains. And, and sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's some dap. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a hello. God, help us not to be so into ourselves that we forget about our brothers and sisters all around us that are going through it, Lord. That's my prayer in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You may return to your seats. Do not move. I want to invite our deacons. Deacons, if you will find a way to position yourselves to lift up the tithes and offerings today. We need to lift up tithes and offerings. 